This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, May 16th, 2021. And today on the program, we will discuss AEW returning to touring in July, Arena Mexico reopening to fans, the latest in viewership, the crisis that is upon us with the shutdown, not shutdown permanently, but a but temporary shutdown of Showbiz Daily. Nonetheless, we have viewership numbers and we will talk about them. The talent management group for WWE was disbanded apparently last month and Don Callis, his role at Anthem Sports and Entertainment is in question. What might be next for him, if anything? All that and more on this program. But first. And now, joining me, he has uh, just woken up from his nap. I sent out an Amber Alert uh, one friend of the show, DJ Jarka. I, I was messaging him. Have you heard from Chris Gullo today? Is he alive? Did he pass out and die while doing yard work this morning or something? And he did not respond to me. I thought maybe Jarka was caught up in this too. I, like people were, other people were not responding to my messages. I thought it was like in, in I was, there was like some nuclear war that I didn't know about that was affecting everyone except for me. But then finally, some hour after our scheduled recording time, <laughs> I get a message from Gull. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. He, he passed out from a nap. I was napping, too. I had an alarm set, though, for my nap 15 minutes prior to recording time. I woke up from my nap. Chris Gull did not. Welcome to the oh. show. Welcome to, welcome to reality, Chris Gull. <laughs> yeah, I totally, uh, my mind blanked. Uh, I've been, uh, this whole weekend has been... Uh, mulching and soiling and you know my vegetable garden and my edible landscape for my front yard your edible uh, landscape <laughs> yes yes uh we're, were, we're were you, like we're, were you eating edibles before the- you you fell asleep <laughs> <laughs> no 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 our bushes instead of like you know people have a standard lilac bush or whatever we have berry bushes and strawberry plants in our bush area and then we have cherry trees in front as well so okay uh, I've been doing Python this week again, always showbiz daily is down. It has been down since Wednesday. I was, you know, in the, uh, in, in one sector, let's call it of WrestleNomics headquarters on Wednesday afternoon. And, uh, I have a program that helps me read the showbiz daily, uh, information, let's say. And I was waiting, uh, this showbiz daily for those who don't know is the website that posts all the ratings for the entirety of cable and for broadcast prime time. Uh, and, and that posts usually at 4 p.m. Eastern. So I was, you know, as, as 4 p.m. Eastern uh, approaches, I will press go on my little program and wait and wait and wait. And, and if usually a few minutes after 4 p.m., the ratings pop up. But they did not pop up for AEW, which is what everybody wants to quote, tweet and rant about is the AEW ratings and have Twitter rage about. But, but no, they didn't appear. Nobody knew why. Usually when Showbiz Daily is going to have a delay because of a holiday or something, they put, put a little post out there that says there's going to be a delay and this is the schedule going forward. That did not happen this week. And it was not until 
I think they did tweets. They basically they they're having some problems with their website. And uh, if you go to showbizdaily.com right now, as of this recording, it says under reconstruction, we'll be back as soon as possible. So that notwithstanding, we did not let that stop us. We will we do not wholly rely on Showbiz Daily for our viewership information here. Uh, thanks to uh, some other folks in the world who have Nielsen data access. I was able to get uh, PW Torch did report the, the AW Dynamite number, which we'll talk about. But I was able to get independently, and now only patrons have, and we will discuss it here for the rest of the world, uh, the viewership for Dark Side of the Ring on Thursday and Impact Wrestling. Uh, we do have an overnight number through TVSeriesFinale.com for SmackDown to discuss as well. But a crisis in my world, Showbiz Daily is down. But you made the best of it. I did. I had to. How many? How many people would have uh, dug deep for that? Not many. They probably just been like, "Hey, uh, we'll have updated numbers for you next week." Yes, it's been quite a week in the in the world of wrestling journalism, and uh, I was able to get additional information independently of the usual public sources. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll discuss it. Well, we'll get right into the news. Uh, AEW is returning to. Uh, Touring, uh, live audience touring, and that's going to start in uh, July. They have announced that July 7th, they'll be returning to Miami, and then they'll be in Cedar Park, Texas, on July 14th, which is the Austin, Texas area, and then July 21st, Garland, Texas, which is right outside of Dallas, uh, and they had did reschedule a, a couple events, uh, St. Louis to November 5th, and New Orleans to January 12th. Uh, not too surprised about this with everything going on uh, with the vaccines and everything. Um, Brandon, what are your thoughts? Do you think it's too soon? Um, I don't know. It's, um, it is conspicuous, of course, right? That this is Florida and Texas to the states that are probably going to be among the least restrictive. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I, uh, I was more judgmental in the earliest days of, um, of, of the pandemic about what was going on. I, I don't know. Um, especially by the time July rolls around where you've given people sufficient time to get vaccinated, at least here in the United States, it's been quite prevalent. So, um, but it's interesting. I think what's most interesting from this other than maybe safety issues is that, uh, on November 5th, these are all, these are all Wednesdays, right? Except for, yeah, except for November 5th, which is a Friday. Uh, the press release uh, refers to, I think, all these dates as dynamite tapings, except for November 5th, which is referred to as a TNT taping. Uh, the, the Observer reported that there's going to be some tapings done in conjunction with the pay-per-view weekend, so presumably that would be a pay-per-view weekend, which does line up with their past pay-per-view schedule when, when happening in November. Uh, not information on my part, only speculation on my part that I think we'll, you know, we, we know though, we know that we're going to see another one hour program on TNT from AEW. That's part of the current deal with Warner media. Tony Khan has said as much publicly in media conference calls or other interviews. So we know there's another one hour program coming up. That's been people have been talking about that and expecting that for really the, the duration of this renewed deal that AEW has been under since January, 2020, just before the pandemic. Still haven't seen that first that 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 one hour program appear. Uh, I would expect to see it by November 4th, November fifth, 
uh, if not before, maybe even as soon as the NBA playoffs are out of the way. Um, yeah, I would expect it to be a Friday program uh, that is live, maybe at 10 p.m. Again, these are just predictions and speculations, but 10 p.m. Friday after SmackDown is over with, uh, that's what I would expect. And you, and you, if you're, you know, think about what they're doing already as far as the sheer volume of content that AEW is managing to put out through dark and dark elevation, they're going to need some sort of other taping uh, day, I guess. I suppose they could still continue to do tapings in uh, in Daly's place if they wanted to, which would probably be at a lower cost. But, but yeah, that's what I would expect. That there's a one hour TV show that's launched out of a Friday taping. Maybe it's in conjunction with pay per view weekends only. I don't know, but uh, and it I would expect to see it used for this Friday show or for this additional one hour show and for uh, dark and dark elevation. Uh, one thing about that. That Friday date is, I know it's his TNT team, but it could be a live show. Uh, traditionally, around that time period, usually it's late October, but it could be early November, is the beginning of the NBA season. So if they got a double header on Wednesday night on TNT and they're probably like, oh, maybe we'll just go live on Friday night, uh, that might be opening night for the NBA. Right. And, and TNT is probably going to be doing NHL games too by that time. So yeah. it's just, I, I have no idea how this is going to sort out as far as. TNT is going to have basketball, hockey, or wrestling on every night of the week, I would think, just about. But we'll see. Where's the drama shows? They're supposed to be about the drama. <laughs> what about Snowpiercer? Um, what about all the, the reruns of Ridley Scott films and things of that nature? I don't know. All right. So uh, moving on to our next topic as we continue this you know, reopening and, and live uh, crowds in front of fans. Arena Mexico is reopening to fans. Uh, this is from the Cubs fan uh, reporting on uh, Monday. Mexico City will allow buildings like Arena Mexico to open up for events on May 17th. The CML uh, decided to start running on the very first Friday after May 21st. They're going to be limited to 500 tickets based on the same government regulations, but they're clearly in a hurry to put fans in seats and not wait for the already announced May 28th show. And then uh, I believe I saw that those 500 tickets are already sold out. Are they? I believe uh, checking on Twitter about it. So, um, yeah, I know that Mexico has had a rough go of it yes. with uh, COVID yes. outbreaks and all that. Um, and I, they don't have the capability to have the vaccine as much as we do. Um, but, you know, it's also more of a I don't, I don't want to say the word lawless, but it's I'm surprised they haven't done live crowd sooner than this, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, when I was uh, following the COVID information in the past, you know, Mexico was doing even worse than the United States. Um but I, I, I don't have a lot to add to it. I just wanted to to mention that and put that in the list of things to talk about to you. Uh, just so we're aware of what uh, CML is doing, what what's happening with Arena Mexico. But, uh, yeah, that's something we will watch in the future as events seem to be rolling back here. Um, I know Fightful had a, had a report that WWE is going to uh, is looking at doing SummerSlam in front of a live crowd, uh, maybe in, in Las Vegas. I've also heard that separately i knew, i know stuff too see um so yeah i would expect summer uh, summer slam to be in front of a live crowd and not at the thunderdome so there's that and that south florida uh 
basketball team has eventually got to play basketball. So they would have in reality up until September uh, for that stadium. Is that right? So and there's then, a basketball so team that plays. They're at the Sun Dome. Yes. Right now. Are we talking yes, about college, college basketball or? Yeah. USF Bulls. OK. That's, um, that's NCAA. Yeah, South Florida, but based in Tampa. It's okay. kind of weird. You were you were using <laughs> South Florida basketball team like people talk about the Washington football team. I thought maybe there was a renaming happening. No, they're just the Bulls. They're they're yellow and green, and okay. you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I would imagine they're already probably. If we don't see them live crowds by August, I think September October WWE will be back to live crowds. Mm-hmm. It, just my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, all right. So we'll, uh, we'll move on to the viewership about the people watching from home now. And, uh, Brandon, you have put together this nice spreadsheet for me to, uh, go over the ratings results. So I yes. thank you for that. This is, you've heard of the um, Mueller report. This is the Gullo report. This is a table. <laughs> this is actually in the, in the Russell Long's users spreadsheet for, for patrons. Maybe we should call them subscribers, but, um, Yes, this is a tab in there, but this is made especially for Chris Gullo. All right, so we'll get right into it. Uh, We have final numbers from the May 7th uh, Friday Night Smackdown, and uh, we had a uh, 2,282,000 overall viewers with a .65 in 1849, and both of those numbers were up uh, from the uh, week before for SmackDown. Uh, and I believe that was the week. I imagine it was the week after the Daniel Bryan match. From that's throwback SmackDown. Yeah, so. Yes, that's right. That's throwback block logo SmackDown. WWE SmackDown. Pulling in the big ratings. 80s, early 90s references. Yeah. Ico Pro, because I remember watching Ico Pro commercials in SmackDown. Let me tell you. Roman Reigns and Daniel um. Bryan, not so much. But you put on block logo SmackDown for for the masses, and that's what what draws. That's what brings people in. Um, no, it's two point two million viewers for that episode. The week before only had two point zero, about two million flat. So that's that's a that's a delta. That's just a difference. Delta is a fancy way of saying difference in the math world. That is a difference of what was it here? A thirty three percent increase in, in eighteen to forty nine. Thirteen percent increase in total viewership from the week prior but a very good rating for smackdown uh this week we might as well talk about the about smackdown overnight yeah the overnight number that we have again not relying on showbuzz daily showbuzz daily is down and under reconstruction they are repopulating the site i'm trying not to have a panic attack but um 1.8 million million viewers is the overnight report uh this is all from Nielsen, ultimately, but from a, another website called uh, TV Series Finale, which is mostly concerned with scripted programming and whether or not scripted TV shows are going to be renewed or canceled. But but they do report uh, overnight ratings. So we have that. Um, it, it looks to have done. Now, now the overnight rating, I should mention off the top here, is usually ends up being lower, at least in recent times. Usually ends up being substantially lower by about 100,000. Somebody said even 150,000. Ends up being lowered. We'll get the final on Monday, hopefully when Showbiz Daily's back up. And uh, so let's say it ends up being 100,000 higher than 1.8 million. It's still 1.9 million. And, and out of 36 consecutive weeks, SmackDown has done more than 2 million viewers, with the exception of one time in February. They did 1.9 million viewers. So this this could be 
the lowest uh, SmackDown viewership in quite some time. We'll see. Maybe even the lowest uh, in the Thunderdome era. Now, uh, you would expect viewership to be down in, in May. Viewership for Raw and SmackDown is always down in May for you know, a variety of reasons, which you can imagine, including we're in the not, no longer in the WrestleMania season, even though WrestleMania backlash is happening. What's the pay-per-view after that? WrestleMania Money in the Bank? Um, yep. Sorry for WrestleMania Hell in the Cell. I can't wait. Um, and we did have WrestleMania SmackDown in, in April, too. So I mean, how can you fall at in any event? Um, now, I would expect viewership to be down. I think we discussed this. Or at least I've discussed this on Twitter. That the, we, ex- you sh- we will expect you should expect WrestleMania or WrestleMania SmackDown viewership to be down in, in May. Uh, we'll see how far it goes, though. Uh, but that's interesting to to think about, and I think it's um, it's a worthy, if cynical, thought to think about. Well, you just did this nostalgia episode, and you followed it up with not a great number, but that's as that that's about as much as I really want to dig into that. Well, we'll continue with. Uh live WWE programming and we'll uh, discuss uh, Raw for May 10th. Um, pretty much very similar numbers to the uh, week before uh, doing a, a 1.17 uh, well, one thousand, I'm sorry, 1,807,000 uh, 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 viewers with a 0.53 and they did a 0.53 in the 1849 the week before too and like there's a difference like 60,000 overall viewers so yes. not much of a difference for Raw. When I started doing this, see that dip this week. When I started doing this program solo, which I did for one year consecutively from the beginning of the pandemic to the anniversary of the pandemic, one of the biggest challenges that I encountered during that time was reading large numbers. A huge challenge. Yeah, I've resorted to saying things like ah, 1.8 million. That'll be easy. And that they, you that's get where I wanted it. to go. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll say the whole number, but I think that's where I'll go. Yeah. So basically, what you just said there is that there's basically no difference in this week's Raw compared to last week's Raw. And by the way, all of this information is brought to you by the WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet, which you can get access to for just $5 a month with along with a lot of other locked content at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. Um, if we look at the, the WrestleNomics viewership report, which is something I'm probably going to put out weekly from here out, uh, and I, I do this formula um, that basically asks how out of the norm was this week's viewership compared to the last four. And in the case of raw, this was as I load the appropriate tab and click on it. And with, here we go. This was, um, very, very slightly below normal for raw under that formulation. Um, so I consider this to be, I'm always like, I don't know. Everybody wants to hyperanalyze and microanalyze the the number, and I'm I'm, I'm much I, th- I think it's much more wise to just say okay, let's not analyze this too deeply. And so I think yeah, it's it's basically almost no difference, slightly below. I read yeah. unless you put on some massive match here, I read nothing into this. Uh, raw, if if it's holding up, that that's great, that's fine. They're doing fine, I think. Um, Raw, uh, again, most of these shows, in fact, really all of them, if you compare them to the wider trends of cable, 
which which we calculate through Showbiz Daily in the top 50 daily cable programs, cable originals, uh, everybody's performing better than cable in general, which has not always been the case. In 2019, that was not the case. In 2020, that was not the case. Uh, Raw was, at least Raw for One, was was having attrition that was worse than cable overall. But everybody's holding up quite well, if not even better than quite well. And this is a fine number. Um, we'll move on to NXT uh, as far as uh, live WWE programming. And a uh, little bit of a dip for them, uh, 0.17, 18, and 49 with the 697 overall. So those numbers are down for the week before. And this is starting to become around the number they were when they were going head to head with dynamite every week. Yes. So uh, that's an interesting uh, thing to see. So, so this I am willing to analyze and ascribe some meaning to. Yeah, this is uh, it's sort of telling us where NXT is going to end up living normally while they're here in, in this Tuesday time slot where they're no longer opposed head to head with AEW, which was a more highly viewed program, uh, as you said, just short of 700,000 viewers. Overall, which is down from the prior week, 1.7 in the key demo. And as you said, Cole, this is not that far off from what they were doing when they were running head to head with AEW. So that's got to be a disappointment to some degree. And maybe this is a one off. Maybe this will get ironed out in the weeks to come. I would I would not expect that, though. I think this is where they're going to live. Um now, I think people will want to know, you know, well, was there with the Wednesday Night Wars, was that actually encouraging their viewership? Because people were so hyped up about the Wednesday Night Wars and these two shows going head to head. Did some people check out NXT that wouldn't have otherwise because of that? You can probably tell from my tone. I guess I'm skeptical of that, but I don't know. Maybe. Um, maybe. But maybe it's the content. Maybe it's just. Yeah, we usually don't talk about creative that much, and I, 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 don't, I don't really want to, but I think it's become clearer to me over the last, I don't know, year or two. You know, I, I think back to, I think it's like Bill Watts who said this once, that, you know, every booker after about five years, they hit a wall. They just hit a wall. Everybody does. And uh, <laughs> I, think, I think Triple H just hit a wall on NXT in that, you know, when you write, you, know, you have to write the, the same product and not this, literally the same product but like I mean, we have to write a show uh for this job which is nxt over and over again for for five years you may have a really great three years but eventually it, it, it becomes challenging and it would behoove you in some ways to have a a fresh set of ideas uh from a, a different person i mean i don't i don't think that's going to happen that's this is where triple h has to live he has to live in, in this nxt universe where he's the the head of creative um and he's not going to step aside for somebody else. So, but I think that's what's happening. I think the creative vision and direction of this product has hit a wall. Uh, it's not all Triple H's fault, but you know, I think you just get you get creatively exhausted with within a certain setting after a while. And I think it's if if only there was some you know way in an ideal world to to get everybody to sh- to shuffle around and have different bookers you know go over here. Uh, like let, let Gato book NXT for a while, and let's let's not have Triple H book New Japan. But but you know what I'm saying here. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's hard to book the same brand for like five years or more in a row. 
And I mean, it, it just goes to NXT's all bit about can't can't miss matches, and really, you just have those takeover now. You know, it's not like oh, I have to tune into NXT this week because you know Gargano, it, you know, it, it is going to go one on one with you know whoever, and 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 this is going to be awesome. No, you know, they're going to lead up to uh, a takeover, and that's and 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 WWE does such a great job with their packages that a lot of times you don't even have to watch the TV leading up. Yeah, and, and, and I think there's there's two things when it comes to NXT is that in the emerging days of NXT, when NXT became the valuable brand that it's become, when it was starting to become that, there was talent who, who are now on the main roster and, and new talent cycled in who was also exciting. But those are mostly the people who are there now. So I think just my point is the people who are there now have been there for a long time. Uh, there isn't really a fresh recycling of stars coming through these are sort of the nxt people now whether that's whatever adam cole and gargano and champa etc um and i think what made nxt revolutionary in some sense has been worn out these epic awesome matches have sort of become cliche not taking anything away from the fact that it takes tremendous skill and talent to execute them but i think these epics have become sort of manufactured and overdone. Um, so I think there's that too. So, so that, that's these great, great matches are no longer feel as genuine or at least not as novel and fresh. Yeah. It's not the same NXT with Nakamura versus Joe with Mauro Ronell announcing. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Or, or before yeah. that, and you know, it's the, the, the Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and Finn, well, Finn Balor's back. But anyway, <laughs> Um, uh, and, uh, talking about just, uh, other WWE programming biography and most wanted, they were both Booker T themed, uh, this past weekend, uh, from on Sunday, May 9th, uh, biography did, uh, 595,000 overall most wanted to 555,000 and a point two four for biography and a point two two for most wanted 18 to 49. That most wanted number was very similar to the week before. Um, where there was a little bit of a drop uh, uh, for the Booker T biography compared to the Randy Savage biography. Yes. Shawn Michaels coming up tonight, I think. Uh, yes. So this was the lowest biography yet. We'll see if this is where the rest of these live. Um, that would be my expectation is that most of them are going to either be slightly lower or somewhere around this number. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Not not a lot I to read. tonight – is WWE backlash or WrestleMania backlash in too? So you're. Is it going to be going audience. going head up against? Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I always forget when these events are. It's like, oh wait, there's a pay per view tonight. If you can still call them pay per views. Uh, hmm. Let's see here. It's definitely still happening. Yeah, they're they're going to run this biography against against the pay per view. Yes. Which doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, that's tonight. Yeah. Yeah, so, but I mean, it A and E's just got there. I mean, A and E's thinking they're going to get the classic fans for it, and and then the normal WWE fans would be watching. The if, if this biography tonight. and this episode of of WWE Most Wanted Treasures tonight does a number that's similar to this week, that will be interesting to tell you that there's a non current audience. <laughs> there's a totally different audience. Uh, that would be interesting to, to, to check out. It might be. 
I don't know what most wanted is as far as if it's also Shawn Michaels or, but it's always like an old school legend and something like that. So yeah, <laughs> that would be really interesting. Uh, but it's not see. as if this is doing an incredibly old audience. This is doing a, a, you know, this week did the Booker T documentary did a point two two in the demo. That's yeah. higher than NXT, by the way, which is something I, I want to continue to point out to just put in perspective. These biographies, not in terms of total viewership. So it's, it's like it's a younger audience. In fact, you would think these biographies, which are essentially nostalgia pieces about stars who are no longer actively wrestling, that older fans would be checking this out. But this is doing a better 1849 viewership than NXT is. While NXT is while NXT has a bigger audience overall, which almost certainly means we don't have all the numbers because we don't get the 17 and under viewership numbers, but which almost definitely means, I mean, I guess we, we do for the P50 plus we could, I'm not going to look it up while, while we talk right here right now, but point is NXT has a larger older audience than the biography this week or last week for that matter. All right. Uh, and then uh, just uh, another WWE related program, Miss and Mrs., which had an, a great week, Brandon. Uh, they increased uh, n- nicely in the ratings, uh, 784,000 overall viewers at a point two seven eighteen and 49. And that was five points higher than 18 to 49 uh, the week before. And uh, and they were just a little under 700,000 uh, the week before as well. So Miss and Mrs., Having pretty much the most successful week in wrestling ratings. Miz and, and Maurice are a draw. Clearly, this is proving that. Uh, this is validating Vince McMahon's decision to put the W heavyweight title championship, excuse me, on on the Miz, right? I, well, obviously, Miz and Mrs. has the, uh, the lead in from Raw, but this was the highest rating for Miz and Mrs. since I guess, 2019. I tweeted it, something like that. In years, the highest, the most viewed episode. Um, so think about programming, um, especially stuff that's not, well, even sports. They're all down year over year, right? And to some degree, you expect that because that's the nature of this media environment where people are spending more of their time doing other things, including streaming. Not Ms. and Mrs., though. Ms. and Mrs. is up year over year. I did leave the TV on. I caught, I caught like the end of Raw. Left the TV on. I had it on mute, though. Had it all on mute. Because you can't. Anyway. And I don't know. Mrs. Dad was on, I saw. He was uh, doing stuff. Remember Mrs. Dad from... Uh, He's ratings. What, what, did, what did he do at WrestleMania that one year? He put his fists up and he, got in the ring and tried to put, fight. Yeah, he put his fists up. To, I forget who it was. Was it Shane? It was... Yeah, it was, yeah probably. I, I can't remember. His, his dad's an interesting looking guy. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> So that, that point is, it's something that I haven't talked about enough over the years is that look at these reality programs. They're doing better than NXT. Look at the biography and there'll be most wanted treasures. We Everybody talks about NXT and it is not doing as well as AEW. We can't say that, but this is decisively doing better numbers than NXT. And it's not like you had a bigger raw audience to bleed in like it was the same raw audience the week before right raw, raw was basically no difference down three percent in total viewership up one percent in 18 to 49 but miss and misses up 13 percent in total audience up 23 percent in 18 to 49 so 
Miz is a draw. Everybody always wants to 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 <laughs> at me on Twitter and and let and get me to settle the argument about who's a draw. The Miz is a draw. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we uh, will move on to AEW Dynamite. Uh, and then this week was also, I know we've been talking about the live effect and the non-live effect. So this week was live uh, due to when they had the double cage for the week before. They only they did not do their standard two, uh, two TV tapings. But the Blood so and Guts match was live. live. They did another live this week. But the Blood and Guts match yes. was. Yes. And then so was this. Yes. Yes. And so was this uh, uh, um, uh, event as well uh, as far as it uh uh, being live, but with it being live and everything, it, it did 936,000 uh, with a point through one eighteen forty nine. A little bit of a dip from Blood and Guts. It did a uh, little under 1.1 with his point four two and 18 to 49. And I mean, this show, I mean, it didn't have Blood and Guts, but uh, it, it had, had blood. It had a lot of blood. TNT championship. Yeah. You had a TNT championship. You had Moxley Nagata, like. Eugene Nagata, intriguing things there. So, so you had to uh, see this dip. Yes, you had um, SCU with their uh, tag team on the line. Um, this was not as low as that one week where they were going against the draft, where they did under nine hundred thousand viewers. Um, but I think this also this is starting to give you an idea of where AEW is going to land in terms of a normal rating. Uh, this is again, and then in the neighborhood of where, what they were doing, maybe in March. And there were there were some not great times for AW viewership in uh in January and February, but uh, we'll see where they live. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, a lot of blood on this program, and uh, I had a listener email me uh, after our last episode where we were talking about blood and guts and so forth and things of that nature. I can't imagine TNT is going to stand for it, according to Vince McMahon in 2019 when he uh was indirectly criticizing AEW uh, for its, up to that point, apparently violent product. Um, but uh, no, someone uh, who's a listener who has worked in the advertising industry uh, emailed me just to sort of say that, um, you know, a lot of these brands that, that buy advertising, uh, they have certain guidelines about what kind of programming they'll be put next to. And that if they end up put next to something with graphic violence, uh, that can be a big problem where they can, uh, I might be butchering what this person was telling me, but but they can uh, you know get a refund on on the the fee that they paid or something to that effect. So ba- basically, this person was making the argument to me that this could really this could actually uh, not be good for AEW and for uh, for TNT because it could limit the variety of advertisers that uh, wants to advertise with them. Um, I, I, I believe Walmart will not do advertising during any wrestling programming despite the fact that they will carry uh, wrestling action figures on their shelves, but they will not advertise during wrestling programming. Yeah. And if you go to a Walmart and go to a uh, independent wrestling show in a lot of small towns in America, the audience of a wrestling show and the people that are shopping in Walmart, pretty much the same group of people. So that's a shock. Are you Walmart shaming on this program? We're never going to get Walmart to uh, advertise on this podcast now, Gullo. That's right, Walmart Shane, but there is the people of Walmart.com. You can go to that website. Yeah. Here, why don't I... Some interesting people. I'll uh, I'll read part of uh, this person's email. I won't mention this person's name because he, uh, he did not give me permission to do that. But uh, the overwhelming majority of clients I've bought for explicitly direct us not to buy programs with graphic violence as well as 
a few other things they don't like. Many actually have a formal advertising code of conduct that lays out this direction in great detail. Repeated offenses could be a firing offense for your ad buying company. For this reason, I can't imagine Turner, uh, their sales department, is happy about the show despite the great numbers. It makes it much harder to sell. Uh, I've seen this before. Shows that do really well, but nobody wants to buy. They don't tend to last that long. Uh, AEW really needs to think hard about this. So there's a there's a, there's a thought from one of our many intelligent listeners. Yeah, I mean, that is true, but we've talked about it before. How many like shows can you watch like CSI and stuff like that where there's blood and advertisers are, are run into those shows. So I get the context of why there's blood, but I, in 2021, I just don't know if that is as big as a concern as it was. So let's say 20 years ago when WCW was dropped by TNT and sold. Um, speaking but, of, uh, speaking of violent things. <laughs> so, our, so I'm assuming you want to talk about dark side of the ring, yes. uh, dark side of the ring, uh, uh, with its Nick Gage episode, uh, did 163,000 uh, overall with a uh, 0.07, 18 to 49, uh, down from last week with the Brian Pillman two hour premiere that did 272,000 and a uh, 0.09. Um, Numbers, by the I way, mean, that you only hear on WrestleMania. I know there's a lot of, a lot, a lot of criticism. <laughs> Uh, you know, about deathmatch wrestling, and they're not gonna get into that, but I enjoyed the episode, and I thought it would maybe even have more of an interest based on how Twitter was that day. Uh, I mean, my whole feed was MDK day mm-hmm. with Nick Gage memories and pictures and all that. I mean, not a bad rating for, for Vice, obviously, so I mean, that's good, but uh, this was um, one of one of the lower people expected to perform. This one was one of the more, yeah, more least viewed and one of the most least viewed um is that a word is that a way to say that this was not among the highest rated this is among the bottom of uh, episodes that have aired on dark side of the ring but it was uh, still better than a few of them better than the randy savage episode from previous seasons but yeah have you been on a show with nick cage nick gage yes i've been on two shows with nick gage okay um Great guy. Yes. I, 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 very great guy. Yes. I, I, you know, before I was ever on a show with him, I was like, oh man, oh, this guy I was, is, is going to be like intimidating and scary. And you get there and he's like the, the most locker room leader, encouraging, positive. He's always saying positive stuff to people. He's watching the matches, you know, telling people they did an awesome job after they come through the curtain. He is just, just the man. He's somebody you want to have in your locker room. Listen, at the end of, uh, the last tid of the season, we're sitting there. The show's finally over. I'm in the back trying to change to get out to do ring crew. And I'm sitting down and he hands me a beer. He goes, great job, man. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to sit and drink this beer before I rush off the ring crew. Because <laughs> it's Nick Gage. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this one was, was substantially down from last week. Last week was the season premiere with Brian Pillen. Uh, but, yeah, this was down 40% in total audience, down 22% in P18 to 49. Uh but I think the the interesting story here is that this is going head to head with Impact Wrestling. Uh, do you want to do you want to read the Impact Wrestling row? Uh, sure. Yeah. So uh, in, Impact Wrestling uh, last uh, week, well Thursday, May thirteenth, did a hundred and twelve thousand with a point zero three of the eighteen to forty nine. 
which is a little bit down for the week before where did a 0.04 with 120,000 overall. So uh, Dark Southern Ring wins the battle again with mm-hmm. Nick Gage as the topic over Impact Wrestling. Yeah. And I would be surprised going forward if Impact is ahead of Darkseid at any point here, um, unless they really start, unless Darkseid really starts to slide from here. So, but this is, this is, it's hard to make an argument and try to imagine a scenario where this is not affecting Impact's viewership. Uh, they were doing in the, in the upper half of the 100,000 range in weeks before Darkseid came back uh, to air uh, with new episodes. So, they're only at overlapping by one hour. It's only the second hour of impact that's going head to head. And it's only the dark side was just one hour this week, right? Yes. And it's be one hour going forward. And at 10 o'clock, he's now dark side of football, which not the same. Okay. Just not the same. Okay. I mean, the, the, Husney and Iser have nothing to do with it. Too, okay. So those, it was those are the producers of, of dark side. Yeah. Dark side. Uh, but yeah, just not the same. Okay. But yeah, I would expect the uh, dark side to win that that hour that they do run going forward. And it, it's pre- pretty clearly affecting Impact Wrestling's viewership. But uh, and this is with with Kenny Omega now, who's the Impact Wrestling champion. Uh, there was just a pay-per-view last night. He's still the champion. I don't know if he's defending it, in fact, but he's going. It was to- a six man tag. Thank you. Um, he's going to have a match with Moose. So it looks like they'll probably be on for episodes going forward to promote that that's coming up in june um why don't we talk about impact wrestling now the uh and we'll go go to the w the additional w topic that we have after that yeah um real quick just a side note i want to talk about dark side of the ring uh this this week's the uh, north korea episode the collision in north korea oh wow the friendship festival and they interviewed anoki wow so i'm really 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 excited about this one. If there ever was one, I'm excited. It's about that. Hasn't, how did they interview Anoki? Did they go to Japan? No, they couldn't have gone to Japan I, pandemic, right? I, I don't know how they did was it. Was Anoki like, in the U.S.? Because Anoki's in bad health, last I saw. It, they, they, they got Anoki. Wow. So the, 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 they'll be interesting to see. But yeah, so yeah, we will uh, move on to more Impact uh, news. And you sent me uh, something uh, over the weekend where glancing through on the EVPs of Anthem Sports... Don Callis is no longer listed. Mm-hmm. Scott Demore and Ed Norholm are the only Impact Wrestling related people listed on the EVPs for Anthem Sports. Uh, very interesting. Now they have been doing a kind of a storyline thing where Demore is like, "Hey, you're supposed to be running this with me, and you're out with Omega, and you know they're going to strip you of your powers and all that." So they have been doing that, but in reality, is it real? Is it is is Don Callis' role been reduced, and he's just an on air talent? So Fightful has a report that just came out today, which is on their Patreon. Um, so I won't read read from it. If, you, if you're a Fightful subscriber, you can check that out. But um, but it, the gist of it, and it's along the lines of things that I've heard too, is that his role has been re- Don Callis's role has been reduced. Um, I didn't see it with my own eyes whether he was actually previously on that list of um, executives for Anthem. And by the way, if you've ever been an indie wrestler, you know. When your picture is no longer on the roster page, that is cause for drama. <laughs> have you experienced this, Carl? Uh, I, I have not. Maybe this was more of a thing back in uh, earlier days of indie wrestling when 
I don't know. It's like, you know, am I, am I still getting booked by this promotion? You know, and, and you'd be like, fuck, I'm no longer on the, on the, they, they took me off the roster page. You go to the alumni page. I'm on the alumni page. <laughs> Did this really cause a scene back in the day? Did people get mad about stuff like this? Oh, back in the day. When so we are both closely uh, aligned and associated with a promotion called Empire State Wrestling, which runs in the Buffalo Niagara yes. area. In the early days of Empire State Wrestling, we're talking the the middle and early two thousands. The webmaster of the Empire State Wrestling website, who is me, if. I don't, I mean, I don't remember the specific examples of the circumstances, but there were, you know, if I took somebody off, I was like, wait, we haven't booked him in like a, a year. And if he, this person was taken off of the, the roster, holy shit. They, cause they would check that. They would check that shit to see where, where they stood in life. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was like a passive aggressive thing. You know, they took, you know, but yeah, I, I still hear people reference that from time to time. Yeah, they took me off the roster page, you know? <laughs> Anyway, I'm not on the flyer. That's, oh. like, that's the current one. I'm not on the flyer. Yeah. Where's my match graphic? Right. Anyway. Oh. Anyway. Don Callis. Supposedly there are people who are. This is ridiculous to talk about, I feel. But there are people who are eyeball witnesses that, that have said that his photo and his bio used to be there. Scott Demore is there. Can we talk about this for a moment? It, I, I've, I listen to other wrestling podcasts. It's not Scott Diamore. Right? It's Scott Demore. De- Scott Demore. That's how it's always been. That's how they pronounced it when he was managing in TNA, Team Canada. Okay. I, I, I listen to a number of podcasts, which are otherwise excellent, but say Scott Diamore. Scott Demore. Anyway, he's still listed as an executive vice president of Impact Wrestling Exhibitions. Don Gallis is nowhere to be found there. Supposedly he was there previously. Um, yeah, I, I've... I've heard that he that Don Callis's role has been reduced from whatever it was previously. That maybe he's still um, producing segments and involved in creative to some extent, but but that his uh, role has been reduced in impact. So let's just think, talk hypothetically here. What do you what do you think Don Callis's next move would be if he was leaving Impact Wrestling? He would be uh, in. A position at a AEW. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe assistant talent relations or whatever it may be. I would think that he would. The natural thing would be he would be in power of AEW. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised in I don't know eight to twelve months from now if that is not the case. We'll have to uh, definitely definitely keep an eye on that. Um, speaking of a. Uh, Talent and talent management. Uh, the the five week long uh, that that's all it lasted was department that WWE started to uh, manage talents, third party bookings, and create maybe their own third party party booking streaming has already been disbanded, Brandon. And this is obviously this was in retaliation to they saw you know talent was doing cameos and Twitch and all this, and they really wanted to. They're cutting it. They want to control the narrative of it. It seems. I want that money. God damn. Can't have money on their own. I want some. And it, it's interesting that this co- coincides with 
Zelina Vega has been at the performance centers, the reports. Yes. So I think they finally gave up on that. It seems like uh, by disbanding the department and they're just going to, we'll see if talent will be more frequently back on Twitch and cameo. Let's, let's, let's be transparent about what, what uh, came to light here. So the person who was hired to be the senior vice president of talent of the talent management group uh, posted publicly on, on LinkedIn that she was looking for, for new opportunities in, in a very positive way. Um, you go and look at her profile and look at her work history and under WB, her tenure was, f- was for one month from March to April where it says I was hired by WB to build and lead a new talent management division focused on strategic brand building and monetizing IP for th- 300 plus WWE superstars. Unexpectedly, the company made a decision to change course and disbanded the new team after just five weeks. Um, so yeah, as, as you were saying, Cole, um, it looks like this was something that was created in line with the vision that Nick Khan is bringing to this company that we can, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a talent agent who's had tremendous success, been hired into this new position, be president and chief revenue officer. And we're going to, uh, take some of the, these experiences and skills that I have and, and sort of apply it to WB. I'm a tremendously valuable IP. We've got all these wrestlers who are very popular. Huh. So let's get, every, what, let's, first of all, let's get everybody the hell off Twitch though and Cameo so we can, <laughs> you know, and, and legally all the contracts seem to jive with that. that. That'll work. So let's get everybody off of those platforms and then we can sell this ourselves uh, to, to, to it, Twitch or Cameo or to whoever else or to, uh, do do whatever it may be uh, to sell the individual wrestlers like we are WWE is, is a talent agency. We have our own talent agency department for our, for our wrestlers. Um, and I can only guess that the opportunity to monetize WWE talent like a talent agency wasn't as great as they thought, or it's something that Vince authorized and decided, no, I don't want to do it, do it anymore for, for, for whatever reason. Um, it, it seems like when new management comes into WB, uh, that there's sometimes an over-application of the skills and the strategy, the background of the man of where that management came from. And, and this is maybe, I mean, who knows what the details are on this, but maybe this is an example of how, uh, that is being true for, for the Nick Khan regime. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I asked somebody who's not in the wrestling business about this and, uh, the, but who is in a, in an adjacent, let's call it business. And this person said, um, you know, this is why I would never put my, my family and my livelihood into the hands of Vince McMahon. <laughs> Just the, uh, the whimsical decisions, I guess that, that Vince is prone to make. So it, it but like you said, is it interesting? Is it coincidental? Maybe it's, just a pure coincidence that Zelina Vega just happens to be back. And, you know, Zelina, the story with Zelina Vega is that she was very active, I think, with Twitch. I think she even had an OnlyFans account. And yes. uh, this this was not okay with W's new policy that you can't be dealing with third-party platforms anymore. And she just, I don't know if she was fired. I don't know what the, the deal was, but she was, she, she parted ways from WWE as a result. But she's reportedly, and according to Flightful, she was back at the Performance Center for some reason. This past week, um, I, I did sort of put out a, a crowdsourcing question on Twitter. It has, has W appeared to soften its policy? Are, are people back on Twitch or Cameo to to a greater degree than they were since since that policy was uh, reported? And uh, nobody could tell me a strong yes. So I don't know. 
There was some WWE talent on there on Cameo around WrestleMania weekend, but it looked like it was WWE driven. Mm-hmm. Like it was, you know, the, the, that's what it looked to be. Mm-hmm. But, but, uh, but yeah, so um, with that, uh, we will uh, uh, go to the world of ESPN where they renewed their Major League Baseball deal through 2028. So another major uh, live programming uh, deal being done there. And this is mostly for the rights for Sunday night baseball. Yes. So this is, is I, famous. This is from an article from the premier uh, um, sports business journalist, John O'Rand. Sports journal. Um, this is a, an, a decrease though from the previous deal, but it's for less content. I feel like I just talked about this like four months ago. Do you, are you more up on this than I am? Did, didn't major league baseball just make a deal with somebody that was a slight downgrade, but actually when you, when you average it out by game, it was actually an increase. And uh, you want to talk about there? Okay. Not the top of it. So major league baseball, a lot of it is regional network still. So for example, I'm a Philadelphia Phillies fan. So I buy the MLB package uh, and, and they're broadcasting on NBC Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Like or MEC Sports Philadelphia, right. wherever like that's and and it's all the RSNs like through yes. the regional stuff. Yeah. Uh, during the week, ESPN had baseball games, and T I believe TBS has playoffs. Playoffs. But I don't know if they. Yeah, playoffs. I don't know if they have regular. Uh, it, it it's I live in my own bubble of baseball. Like I said, I I buy the package, and I mean, there's S, your SNYs or your yeses, which are specific networks for that team. So it's not your typical overall sports package. So let's just, this would be one of those points if, if I was doing this alone where I would pause the, the podcast recording for 45 minutes and figure <laughs> out what the hell I was talking about. But, and that's why it would take me five hours to record. But anyway, so let's just read a couple of excerpts from this uh, article from Sports Business Journal. The seven, D, seven year deal, this is again, ESPN's renewed deal with Major League Baseball, with Major League Baseball, not the Major League Baseball. It's like saying the WWE. Anyway, but hey, the peacock. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Anyway, <laughs> through through 2028, uh, ESPN is getting exclusive rights to Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, the seven year deal is worth 550 million dollars per year. Sources said, and that's down 700 million dollars on an average annual basis. Um, so ESPN is will get less content with this deal. So it, its rights fee dropped, though its cost per game increased. And when I read this, I thought, am I just reading the article from like six months ago? No, no, this is May, May 13th. Uh, but the article that mentions that there was a, uh, major league baseball got a 40% increase uh, in its deal from Fox, a, uh, 65% increase from Turner. So these, at least for these top sports leagues, rights still growing. Yeah. I did forget about the Fox weekend games too. Yeah, and and fo- where Fox and Turner really gets involved in the playoffs, but yeah, Sunday Night Baseball is usually the premier mat like game of the week, mm. so that's why the cost would be you know it's usually like two division rivals or two really good teams would you know um, when they make the schedule they do that on purpose. So, mm-hmm. and uh, we we can talk briefly about the uh, the Tony Khan talk on Variety that I made you listen to. I, I listened to it yeah. live, but uh, what did you, what did you take away from it? Um, so it, it was a lot of analysis as far as sports and the audience and all that. And he, uh, he talked a lot 
about um, now the name escapes me. The, the, the sports analytics firm he's part of. It's like True Something or yes. I, can't, I can't think. True Media is it? True True Media, yeah. Um, t- talked a lot about that based on, based on the analytics, and they kind of you know there was a lot of wrestling uh, segues as far as talking about like you could see a certain guy's doing well in a certain segment, and you want to use that analytics to make the guy maybe possibly better. Like they mentioned, like the the host had um, mentioned how WWE was supposedly doing great numbers whenever Rusev was on TV and they didn't take advantage of it. (laughs) So the the host is, is Gavin bridge. Who's written a number of articles for variety for variety that are really the wrestling. And, uh, I, I gave him like a little bit of research one time for, uh, for one of his articles. Um, there was, I think what you're referring to is there was a, uh, so you could, enter questions in a chat as you were watching this live. Yeah. And someone in the chat was probably not well acquainted with wrestling said, how could, why, why do stats matter in wrestling? Basically it's all fake. Why does it matter? And, and Tony Khan was <laughs> like, he was not even prompted by, by Gavin about this. He just said, yeah. Uh, okay. For that, that, that one, no, if uh, it definitely matters because if, you know, if people aren't reacting well to a, to something, then I, I want to know that and adjust accordingly. Basically it is paraphrasing what he said there. Basically, that he he follows the minute by minute ratings very closely. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, it was it, you know your typical you know sports analytics, and they talked about Fulham. Um, not much. I, I don't remember not much about the Jaguars. I don't think. But uh, talked a little bit about Fulham. And Fulham just got deregulated. So that is there's uh, that is the soccer there's team. A lot of uh, talks about that. That is the soccer team that Tony Khan is the general manager yes. of. Correct. Um, okay, maybe I believe we'll, so, yeah. uh, maybe if, uh, if there is a, a, a Patreon, uh, podcast to do about this, uh, this interview, maybe with a, a few excerpts because this was, um, again, I want to go through it in more detail, but I felt like this was the most that we really got to hear in my experience ever, uh, Tony Khan talk about the media industry generally and how consumers are consuming media, what matters, uh, you know, what, what are you doing this with, uh, all these YouTube shows and what's the, you know, what's the thought behind that? And what do you think about how sports viewership is behaving overall? This is somebody obviously who's involved, not just in wrestling, but in the NFL and in football of the, uh, of the world kind, not just the American kind. So maybe that's uh, something that, uh, we'll look into more or if not, I'll just edit this comment out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, um, so, uh, Anything else that's on your mind this week, Brandon? New Jack passed away. Yeah, I yeah, heard you. Was, you had uh, you had to re-record your podcast because you were you were what burying him at the beginning. <laughs> no, not very <laughs> at all. But I what I did was I uh, re- we we re-edited out. It was just like we were talking about him in present tense and uh, hey, New Jack's a fan of the show and yeah, because we do ours once a month. We record it early. And he posted on on Facebook where he heart emoji. We talked about he heart emoji our episode and this and that. And mm-hmm. Now it just doesn't seem. It seems like it doesn't seem right to like, you know, not that we said anything wrong, but it just it'd be talking yeah. like he didn't pass and yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, right. But uh, but yeah, that was you know with New Jack. It's a lot of people in New Jack stories, and I honestly can't think if I've ever had one. I was never on a show with him because the rumor was, Brandon, you know, in New York that he wasn't allowed to come in. Oh, um, that sounds Because he had warrants out. Uh, <laughs> there was actually a... 
a certain promoter, and he's publicly talked about this on Facebook, so I can say this. Uh, our good friend Johnny Moose from Excite wanted to bring him in and then just hop him in a car and get him across to the Pennsylvania border before anyone would know. <laughs> After doing so. Bingham, which is where Johnny Moose promotes Bingham, it's not that far away yeah. from from the Pennsylvania state line, so you could probably pull that off. If you don't advertise yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. That, not, not for at all. That New Jack, um, New Jack would definitely be a Johnny Moose style wrestler to bring yeah. in, wouldn't he? Yes. Um, but yeah, and then I, I think I remember meeting him as a kid at the Broadway market in Buffalo what? Uh, for an ECW pay-per-view. Yes. Oh, wow. You remember this? No. At the bro- he you was at the Broadway the- market. They did an all like so before the ECW pay per view that was in Buffalo. Okay, which was a, Anarchy Rules or November to remember. I think so. Okay, uh, I think it was Anarchy Rules. So, so you so you went to like hold a, up you you went to uh, ECW shows at the Burt Flickinger Center. I never did. I went to one. Okay, yes, this one, the pay per view. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they, they were signing autographs at the, at the Broadway Market, and uh, my mom oh. worked at the Broadway Market. For one of the stands where the lady kind of had for, like she had a little bit of power. For people who are not from Buffalo, quickly summarize what what is the Broadway market? It is a giant indoors. Because I know a lot of cities is outdoors. A giant indoors uh, market of different like foods from different like you know parts of the world. This is not somewhere where I, where I would imagine you'd have a meet and greet <laughs> for for, for wrestling. No. No, 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 not at all. But uh, it, it be, being a young kid, it was great. Uh, some kid called Wrestling Fake and Spike Dudley showed him all his uh, all his marks. He goes, this look fake. And uh, uh, like I said, like uh, I my mom worked for a lady. that was pretty prevalent in the Broadway market. And I was like, oh, I didn't because I, I waited in line. I missed the cutoff to meet um, Francine. And I was really upset about that. And, and the lady goes, hold on one second. And she brought me back. Like to meet Francine after like Francine's like autograph session was was over with, which was pretty awesome. And my mom made sandwiches for uh, L- uh, little Guido. So wow, yeah, wow. Were you offered drugs at any point in that? <laughs> I was not. It was, a, it, was a gr- it was a great. It was a great Saturday morning at the market. How old were you? Wait, this is like ninety nine, two thousand, right? Yeah, I was. Yeah, so I was like ten, nine, or ten. Nice. <laughs> Do you have a new uh, Revisiting the Indies podcast? Uh, we're going to be releasing our, our XBW Part 3, which I talked about last week. It's the, the Philly area drama. XBW was pretty much... CZW Ring of Honor stopped hating each other to together hate XBW. <laughs> like that's, that's how bad this got. Um, just to give you a little tip of Brandon, you'll enjoy this. So X, XPW needed to have a Philadelphia residence or Pennsylvania residents to get a Pennsylvania uh, license, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't have anybody that lived in Pennsylvania, so they just used Rob Feinstein's RF video address. <laughs> so then the athletic commission calls Feinstein up and is like, hey, it's, is this? He goes, no, no. Is it, is it, Ring of Honor exists at this point, right? Yes, okay. Ring of Honor exists at this point. And he's, he's not out at that point. He's still involved with Ring no, of Honor. No, he's still involved. Okay. Yeah, very involved. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was uh, uh, there's lots of fun tidbits like that in the uh, rediscovering Indies that will be coming out this week. Uh, what do I have to plug uh, on the Patreon? There's spreadsheet again with the, the numbers that we actually did mention in this episode, but they are included in the, this one page PDF report that I'm 
quite possibly going to put out weekly the WrestleMania viewership report, which uses data from the spreadsheet, both of which you get access to. If you're a subscriber for just $5 a month, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, you have anything else to plug? No, just at social media, Chris Goa for all of them and for rediscovering Indies, RTI Pod on uh, Twitter and it's uh, rediscovering these on Facebook and uh, Instagram and yeah, no, just no, another great week of WrestleNomics Radio, I guess. So. Okay, if you want to check out resources, stats, things, uh, numbers on, on the wrestling business, you can check out the resources section of WrestleNomics.com. You can follow WrestleNomics on Twitter and, and Instagram even at WrestleNomics. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston. I'm Brandon Thurston. He's Chris Gullo, and we will talk to you next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.